My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. And we are live with The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fabulous show for you. I have a fantastic guest. I can't wait to introduce you. Um, if this is your first time to the show, then by all means, welcome. This is a place, a platform, a playground where I get to uh, explore the inner realms where we are holding ourselves back from what we want without even realizing it. So yes, the show is called The Art of Attraction, and we focus on dating, and in particular, men and dating, um, and, and how men keep themselves single without meaning to. But really, this work is about the deeper realms, the deeper levels, psychological and below, um, where, we, where we really kind of fuck ourselves up without meaning to. Honestly, we all have the best of intentions. We have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And I always say this is the place to learn how to uh, to operate your human system, right? This is the owner's manual. This is why you're getting what you're getting and how to adjust it. And my guest today knows all about that. This is Ambika. Ambika, I'm so excited to have you here. She is an expert in meditation. She has an incredibly uh, diverse background um, in a lot of uh, realms of the, the, the spiritual and, uh, and maybe you would classify many as not spiritual, uh, the grounded spiritual, which of course is my favorite realm. Uh, Ambika, please, I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, please take some time and, and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Thank you so much, Dominique, and hello to all the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm Ambika Devi, and I've been meditating since I was six years old. Whew. Take that in. Take that in for a moment. Can you imagine a room full of six-year-olds and kids all the way up through twelve and thirteen, sitting still for an hour, for an hour once a week? That's what we did. It was it was actually at a Quaker school and they didn't call it meditation. Oh they called goodness. it meeting. Yes, did you go to I'm Quaker, Quaker school? No way. No yes, way. I had no idea you were Quaker. My mom became convinced friend at 14 when I was 14 years old and I've been Quaker <laughs> ever since and I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Okay, well, I think I'm a born-again Quaker because uh, <laughs> I wasn't born into it. But uh, I have to say that I owe all of my foundation and early training to them because that Wednesday morning at school where we sat for an hour became a sanctuary. And it's so easy for me to return and return. And then I went on a path of study uh, first, my mom took me to a yoga class with her, with an Iyengar 
disciple, Iyengar is a very famous yogi who came to America, wrote a lot of fantastic books, Mm. really good theory. And I went to her class with her. And later, I actually worked for her teacher at a day spa as a massage therapist. So I just kept rolling back and rolling back. I have, I just uploaded some more training hours because I'm in a Bhagavad Gita study class right now through an ashram where I lived and studied. And of course, everything's virtual right now, right? So I... I just had to upload some training hours from a class I just completed. I have over 13,000 hours of training clocked on the Yoga Alliance. <laughs> That's just one of the things. Now, a lot of people don't realize that a sister science to yoga is astrology. But you've heard of the term body, mind, spirit. I'm sure your listeners have, right, Dominique? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Really, I think the person responsible for coining that phrase is Deepak Chopra. Mm. And he actually was translating Sanskrit. Body, mind, spirit is a way to translate the three daughters of the Vedas. The Vedas are books of knowledge. And the three daughters are Ayurveda, which has become much more popular. Maybe you've Mm. talked about it on your show. Mm. And that's for the body. Yoga, which I know everybody's heard the word, which is actually for the mind. The goal, if we had to give it a goal, is meditation. Although, yes, I know it became an exercise program branding, but truly it's a vast grouping of knowledge. And the postures, which is the exercise part of it, is a teeny bit. If it was a tree, that is part of the one of the eight limbs, which is exercise, and then Jyotisha, which hasn't made the big mainstream splash that I'd like to see it do. And that is for the spirit. And that's astrology, because that's our connection to the stars. So I am an astrologer. I actually went to college for it. I've studied Eastern and Western. And uh, i practice on a regular basis, love to read charts and guide people in business and definitely in relationships. Relationships are probably the main thing people come to me for, Mm. for astrology. Interesting. But we have to look at it this way, Domini. All relationships begin with our relationship to self. And one of the beauties of astrology is being able to learn about yourself. Now, I don't prescribe to the idea of fate. I see the natal chart or the birth chart of a person or a place or thing as a potential mapping. Mm. Now, you might want to do something that your map says, "Mm, I don't think you're going to be so great at that. But my job as your astrologer is to help you figure out how to negotiate that. So it's not saying you can't do it. It's just saying, hey, there's, there's going to be maybe some bumps and challenges And it's my job to help negotiate, navigate with you and support you with the knowledge that I can gain from your chart. Nice. So guidance in a way. Absolutely. It's life coaching. Totally life coaching for me. I love that. I love that. And I'm so glad you said what you said about the asanas. And um, if you're listening now and you're regular listening to the show, you have definitely heard me say that because people think that yoga is about the asanas, about the the postures or about exercise. I mean, by all means, exercise, and it's a great way to exercise, but that has almost nothing to do with yoga in itself. Uh, it's really, it's just about that space, as you said, about being uh, becoming present and, and practicing 
being present. Well, it's, it's like, actually meditation because yeah. that goal point is samadhi, which is, and here's where people are overusing the idea of enlightenment too, you know, I, I, saying I'm awake. And you ask a, a, a swami at the ashram and they'll laugh at you. <laughs> you know, and you enlightened beings, they're... They're the, the point of the pyramid and Very most of us are cool. at the lower level or maybe maybe some of us are <laughs> at the second level. Dalai Lama's up there a little higher, yeah. you yeah. know, but uh, I think everybody's running around using these terms and it, the reality is we're all just on the same path, you know, and we're all just taking steps on that path. Yeah. And we're here to help each other and love each other, for goodness sake. Yes. And how much better is it to go along the same path in that space of loving and supporting as opposed to self-criticism and self-judgment and all sorts of things? Very well But then when it comes to relationships and manifesting a relationship, you have got to love yourself first. Amen. You've got to get to know you and you've got to be true to you. I think so much what happens in relationships is that People try to morph themselves or mold themselves to be what they think the other person wants. And then they start to have their true colors shine. And then that's when things go a little funky. I always say to, 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 to my clients, I say, yeah, you don't, you don't need to. I'm not very polite on this show. Uh, but but <laughs> if, you, if you pretend to be somebody you think they want, and you succeed, like best case scenario is you've attracted someone who's interested in someone you're not. Like very yeah. best case scenario is you've pretended to be somebody, you've attracted somebody who's, who's attracted to that person as opposed to who you really are. And you're not, you know, it, it's unsustainable. Something really interesting, uh, one of my mentor teachers said to a group when I was with him and we were talking about relationships. He's an NLP, neuro-linguistic programming expert. And he said, you know, if you meet somebody and your heart's thumping out of your chest, that's not the right person. Hmm. I thought that was so interesting because, <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I experiment that with that, you know, with different scenarios in life. Like if you're more calm and you're more centered and you're more grounded, it's going to make a, a whole lot more sense. So, that stuff that we learn about in movies and uh, books maybe is misguiding us in how to create and how to cultivate really wonderful and beautiful, long-lasting relationships. Mm, I'm so glad that you said that. We are obsessed with the in love, the eros of the relationship pattern in the West here. And boy, I mean... It's it's like it's like being obsessed with life. Like it's a it's it's like it's like uh, being obsessed with avoiding death. It's like boy, if there's one thing you just flat out cannot avoid if you are currently incarnated as a human or anything else, it, it is death, right? And and here we are with this this type of of thinking of like oh, it's going to be the honeymoon phase, like you hear people say forever. And it just you know, whereas in other uh, other parts of the world you know, their relationships form on sort of more, as you say, more feet on the ground, more like 
you know, maybe let's think this out. Is this a good match? Is this, you know, even uh, cultures that do arranged marriages or partially arranged marriages. Um, I know that can be a very negative thing, but often the times I've heard it from people who've done it, that's a really positive thing because I know. Something, they look forward to the, the important parts, right? Right. Well, uh, if we go to the Far East where astrology is taken into consideration, mm. the match is already analyzed, you know, it, it, it's like buying a vehicle, you know, kick the tires, look under the hood, check the interior. And uh, astrology does that when cross comparing. Look, there's no two perfect charts together. Right. It just doesn't exist. Because the other thing that people try to uh, try to do is that they try to find that perfect balance, that perfect place. and. It, it, you know, it's a working relationship. It's everything in the chart exists, all the planets, all the houses, all the signs. So you can't just go by sun sign or moon sign. Yes, those are places to begin. You know, you've got to set your foot on the path somewhere, but uh, you've got to take into consideration the entire chart. So this is why I stopped writing pop culture horoscopes. I wrote for newspapers and I've been on TV on a, on a show about relationships. Oh. As an astrologer, I was on the learning channel on a show called Second Chance. And I had to analyze two charts and then cross compare and write a three page report and give it to the producer to say whether I thought people that had been in a relationship in the past could get back together and could make it work. And uh, I did not get to talk to them or meet them. So there was none of that or question and answer involved. And, uh, you know, I, I nailed it every time with astrology blind, you know, just blind uh, analyzing these charts. And I, I do help people through their their speed bumps and their relationships. I've helped a lot of people out of their relationships, too. And this works equally and as powerfully with business because everything has a, a chart everything has energy and th this is what we have to consider when we're when we're embarking on this yeah and that's such an important point is that there just isn't a clear answer you know, I just literally right before uh, I, I got on this, I was in my uh, art of attraction group full of my uh, clients who have taken my program. And somebody said, um, you know, I, I just met this, this woman and I'm really excited about it. Uh, I want to reach out for a call. Do you think it's too soon? And I... <laughs> was that male or female? I'm just it, curious. It was a male. It was a male. They're all men. In this particular oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, and so he was worried about this thing. And this, this particular man has done this before. He's been with me for a little bit and he's done this. This is his pattern. And I'm like, you're looking outside for an answer and there isn't one. There is no right time. There is no right chart. There is no yoga pose that gets you straight to the end. It's, it's an amalgamation. It's a, it's a process. You, you, know, you need to feel into it. I was like, when does your, if you intuit your dating life, how much more successful will you be than if you look for the right answers and and try to play the same game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think there's. I, I've I've noticed in, you know, I guess pretty much all my life. Maybe not when I was a teenager, which was a really long, long time ago. Oh, but uh, <laughs> uh, there is a lot, and and you see this in movies. You know, uh, how to leave space before calling. And, you know, 
would you do that in business if you were selling something? Would if you know if you want something, communicate about it. We're gonna get it. Yes. If the person isn't responding to that, then that's not the right person. <laughs> what are you, know, you feel like? You want to reach out if you want to make space, and they respond well to that. Great, but yes. you've got to go with cause and effect here. It's physics. Yes, <laughs> combined with psychology, which just makes it a whole wide mess. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really. <laughs> world. How do humans work? Oh boy. Oh, how do we want? How do we want to start here? So give me your thoughts. So there's a lot of people who have these ideas. This, this question just occurred to me. A lot of people still talk about the idea of the one. They think there is one person out there for them. It's <laughs> the face I make too. What are your thoughts on that? What would, you, what would you say if people are, if people are, are, if there's trepidation around choosing the wrong one or. Okay. Uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to start by my philosophy on the word soulmate. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all soulmates with each other. Yay! Love it. it. And we Episode are all older. soulmates. <laughs> Highlight, right? And yes. and then then the misuse of the term twin flame. Have you heard that one? Yes, and I've twin heard it flames. Thank you. Yeah, my goodness, twin flames are like it, two magnets that are kind of facing the same way and can't flip around. And and connect. So there's a lot of friction in a twin flame relationship. And it's not your soulmate because we're all soulmates. Mm-hmm. And the twin flame relationship is excellent for long-term friendships. It really is. I I I have a long-term relationship with a with a twin flame who I played music with for many years. And we were great as music partners. When we tried to be love partners, the whole thing blew up and screwed up. And then we had to take time out. But bless our hearts, we managed to come back together and say, you know what? I really miss music with you. So we got back into that. And then, you know, life happened. I had to move away to take care of an elderly parent. Uh, but we stayed best friends and we know when we know intuitively now when the other one needs some space or we, we say, but we've been friends for decades and it's been a long time since we've been on stage together, but we talk several times a week. If the other one has info about something we're really comfortable to call up and say, Hey, I need your advice on this, or I just need you to listen to me. But we got really clear that living together was, was not an option. Now, back in ancient history, there were myths about beings who came to earth with two heads, four arms, and four legs. And then they were split. And those are sold twins. This is what I think everybody's trying to say when they say soulmate or they say twin flame. It's soul twin because there is that myth. Have I met one? No, not yet. But hey, I'm open to it. I'm single, everybody. And you know, put it out there. And uh, th- those are the ones that are trying to merge back, that are trying to connect, but they're rare. They're super, super rare. Can a a soul mate be a long-term relationship? Absolutely. 
can a twin flame with a lot of patience and work. But that soul twin is super rare. I maybe have met a few of them paired up. Um, I've definitely heard tales in families, in talking to clients. Uh, you know, one thing that's frustrating is when a client comes to me with a relationship issue, Domini, and they talk about their parents who were obviously soul twins, who, you know, met when they were younger, went through school together, married, lasted till death, you know, and, and then their offspring are craving that. Of course they're craving it. Mom and dad had it. I want what mom and dad had. Mm. But you can't force that. That's a magnetic attraction. It's, to me, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely you know? agree. And a, a twin flame, uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If someone asked me, and I've had a client come to me and say she said she's met her twin flame and he, she was trying to get together with him. And from what I knew of twin flames, I said, if you are certain this is your twin flame, then you should not be trying to get together with him. Um, and you said it is for, possible. For a business relationship, yeah. But uh, artistic and creative. But for a love relationship, you can do it. You can you can get yourself into it, but phew, there's going to be a lot. I think they're bigger than speed bumps. There's gonna, There's going to be a lot of learning. Look, every relationship we have, even with ourselves, is a learning possibility. It's a classroom. That's what, that's what this life is. It's a big classroom with tons of lessons and, you know, be, be very, very grateful for everything that's good and smooth and happy and loving and every smile you get, every hug you get, gosh, in COVID times, every hug you get, it, mm. you get them. I remember you know? I, mm. I, I kind of do. And <laughs> I, I just, I think that's even more important than trying to match up, merge up. Look, I know there's biological clocks that tick and, and you have desires. You There are things you want in your life, but you've got to look at how you have manifested other things in your life and use your own experience as a as a learning tool so that you can understand more about manifesting that relationship that you're craving, but you've got to be happy with yourself because correct me if I'm wrong or concur with me, Domini, some of the loneliest people I've ever met are in committed relationships. Mm. Yep. You know what I mean? Because they're, they're putting, they're trying to fill a hole with another person or with the other person's energy and actions and build. You, you've got to you've got to be satisfied with yourself. It goes back to my earlier statement of you've got to have a great relationship with yourself and you've got to love and accept your quirks. I mean, come on, if you're single like me, you've got you've got single behavior, you know, is that really going to change? It's I, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm so glad I don't accept who you are. Yeah, just a few days ago, I think I wrote an Instagram post about that, about how uh, I remember being, uh, feel, I was like, I was on a train in Boston. I was surrounded by people and it suddenly occurred to me that I felt completely alone. Mm. And, that, and a bunch of people actually responded to that and came, and came back and said, oh my God, I feel totally alone in a crowd or I'm in a relationship and I feel totally alone. And there's that disconnection from self that 
as long as that disconnection is there, you can't really quite ever feel full enough. And if that connection is there, you're never lonely, whether you're, whether you're alone or you're with someone. That's my experience. Mm, that, well, I definitely see two distinct groups. There's the group of people that feel alone when they're alone in the house alone and they've got to go out and be in a crowd. And there's the people who are really comfortable alone in the house and feel kind of freaked out in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm that second group. I, I, but we can see some of that with Myers-Briggs. You know, I'm, I'm INFJ. It's, you know, definitely showing up there. Uh, I can understand that. Um, being on a train and feeling alone because we're trained in society to not behave warmly and, and kind in a situation like a train. It depends where in the world, but there's been plenty of times I've been on, on trains and look around and I'm by myself and smile and everybody's, you know, nose down on, well, nowadays everybody's nose down in a cell phone, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's true. I mean, you go to a restaurant, you see people, you see four people at a table and they're all on a cell phone. I wonder, are you texting each other? I doubt it. You know, be nice if you were. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that before where I would text my roommate or I would, I think it was kind of just starting to come out when I was in college and I would send her like a message on the computer and she'd be on the other side of the room and she'd be like, stop it. And I would just crack up laughing. I thought it was hilarious. I that think is I'm funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So I have an astrology question for you if you're open to it. And this is actually something I hope that I, I have an answer. Oh, great. Well, if you don't, no problem, because I didn't prep for any of this. But I'm, I, I had, I'm so excited that you're into astrology. Um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with it myself. Um, I've had enough experience that it, um, I've seen it be legitimate. Um, I'm also aware that a lot of the ways it's presented in the world are not legitimate in any way. Um, and so uh, I want to make that distinction <clears throat> because I also hear a lot of people say, oh, I met this great girl, but I'm a Leo and she's a whatever. And so I can't. And it's like, I don't think that's what any of that is supposed to mean. Um, and so for a long time in my spiritual path, I thought it was kind of uh, a little nonsensy. Uh, and then I saw enough of it to be like, oh, I can, I can then feel the legitimate, um, the legitimacy of it. My question for you is actually kind of a logistical one. So the, <clears throat> the 12 uh, signs, zodiac signs, uh, are based off the uh, 12 constellations that cross the sun's ecliptic, right? Depends on how you're reading it. Uh, <laughs> tropical astrology which is what is used in Western astrology. So the pop culture stuff we see in the newspapers, magazines, they're, they're likely using tropical timing. Uh, originally, it was, it was segments in space. So I'd rather, oh. when I teach my beginning students, I don't teach them about signs. Like what's, what sun sign are you? Well, okay, so this is my question. So let me put my question out because I have a feeling you're gonna you're gonna know. But I, I want I I can answer it. Okay, keep going. Because the question, the answer is I don't know. That's why. That's why I'm. That's what I'm. Uh, oh, are you born on a cusp? No, I'm born in Ophiuchus. So so. Oh, okay. My, well, but are you on the Sagittarius side? I'm on the Sagittarius. I'm I'm Sagittarius. Depending on the system. So hold on, hold on. Let me let me get this out, and then please, I want to hear. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I think it might confuse the um, uh, listeners a little bit, but essentially, the way, here's the way I learned it, and then please correct me because I have no expertise here. Uh, so what I learned was that it was based on the 12 constellations that crossed the sun's ecliptic, <clears throat> but of course it was formed 2,000 years ago. 
and obviously stars move. And so that now there are in fact 13 constellations across the sun's ecliptic. My birthday actually falls on the 13th uh, constellation, which is Ophiuchus, the snake charmer, I guess. And it's in between uh, Sagittarius and whatever comes after Sagittarius. And so, so interestingly, so I'm on that thing. So then I've never been sure what my sign is because technically in the actual moment I was born, it was under that uh, Ophiuchus constellation. Um, okay. So what Dominique's talking about is what's considered a 13th sign. Uh, but the thing I'd like you to back up and realize is that there, let's just use 12. You've got to use a system. So if you start, if you start with a system and then you start using bits from other systems, it can get a little dangerous. If, if you're prescribing to that system of 12, but adding that 13th sign, uh, then okay, yes, you can, but it, it, let's look at it as a way of telling time. So, Another thing that Domini mentioned is a back in time, sidereal and tropical time lined up. And that's when we could look at particular constellations. Actually, prior to that, it was segments in space. It was imaginary. It was the numbers one through 12. Oh. So you would be number nine. And that's how I teach my beginning students because if you don't understand one through 12, adding 13 or 14 in is going to drive you crazy. So you, let's just look at it as a circle, which is 360 degrees divided into 12 segments of 30 degrees each. And let's put you in Sagittarius. And then let's use that idea of this other information that you dangerously brought into it, Tommy, and color your version of Sagittarius with it. That's how I'd rather you look at it. Right. Okay. That's how I would start off with you as a client. Of course. And I, I would absolutely be in that, that beginner category for sure. Is it not um, the, the, the particular magic of astrology, which again is not a magic that I'm particularly familiar with, but I am very familiar with magic. Is the magic not the significance of where the stars actually were when you were born? It depends. If you're a sidereal, uh, a sidereal um, uh, user, you're going to scoff at the tropical division I just spoke about. And that is using the actual astronomical movement. That's a different measurement system. Uh -huh. So these are called zodiacs. So uh, the tropical zodiac is set up with the rotation of the earth and the solstice points and the equinox points. So if we imagine an old style dial clock, mm -hmm. the 12 and the six and the nine and the three. And then, uh, so that's what tropical time is. It's using the measurement of the earth. Where do we live? We live on the earth. It makes sense. Yeah. And yes, at one time we could look up and match it up perfectly with the uh, movement of all of these cosmic forms towards what's called the great attractor. I had no idea we were going to get into all this astrology, mm -hmm. astrology. Right. and the galactic center, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, is one better than the other? I'm sure this is the question everybody's asking. It's only as good as the interpreter. It's like a language. If I am born speaking English and I start trying to speak uh, another language, am I interpreting all of the things that I'm hearing and is what I'm saying being interpreted correctly? It's only as good as the interpreter, as the navigator. 
So as your navigator, I, I've tested, I've studied different forms. There are things that I use that are sidereal time because you mentioned stars moving. They actually don't <laughs> they, in our perspective view. Fixed stars are fixed stars. Our sun's not moving. Our whole galaxy's moving. But we're staying, there's a little bit of movement, but it's not affecting this kind of measurement. Oh, okay. I mean, there's, there's a lot of movement, right? I mean, it's, it's like... So, flying, so for instance, in, in uh, Jyotisha, which is also called Vedic astrology or Vedic astrology, uh, that is using these actual movements astronomically. Um, look, astronomers are probably going to scoff at both, <laughs> you know, but if we go back in time far enough, astronomers were astrologers, astrologers were astronomers. Mm. So it's really important as an astrologer to study astronomy and have it together. You can't just start throwing these ideas out there and not have a clue. Case in point, supermoon. Okay, Every, because everything's in an in a uh, an ecliptic pattern, like a football. It's an ellipse pattern. It's not a perfect circle. This was this was figured out a long time ago, uh, and it was around the time the Agora was destroyed, which was a great library. There's there's actually a movie you can watch about it. Where is that? It's called Agora. Um, it's it's about the actual astronomer who was female, right on us, and <laughs> <laughs> who who discovered that they what what they called the travelers because the planets that we see we could mistake in them for stars, right? You look at Jupiter and Saturn in the sky, we thought it was one big star when when from our particular angle they look like they were one on that one day as they were getting near the uh, the horizon uh, after sundown. Now. Uh, they weren't on top of each other because Jupiter is a lot closer than Saturn to us. Right. You know, we, we can't, we can't see it as one was actually canceling out the other. And the reason why it looks so bright and looked like they were right on top of each other is because of their level uh, of declination. Declination is how high or how low to the invisible equator in space things are traveling. And they move sometimes. We know Venus can be a morning star or an evening star. So there's times when they disappear and that, that has to do. And this is the same thing that happens with our own moon when we have eclipses. It's because of the angles we travel. We're like on a giant dinner plate in space moving through space with all this other stuff moving through space. But the fixed stars, they're called fixed stars for a reason. But at the time of our birth, there is something that we can measure with those fixed stars with the moon. And it doesn't matter which system you're using, which telling of time, which clock you're using, tropical or sidereal, because those fixed star points measure exactly the same. And I do use that. Gotcha. And in the East, it's called the nakshatras, the, the 27 mansions where the moon moves. And uh, I find that to have a lot of really important information about patterns. So, you know, some people get into relationships really early on with other people and some wait and 
like wait almost a lifetime. Like, did you ever see or read, uh, see the movie or read the book Life in the Time of Cholera? That's the ultimate late mm-hmm. blooming relationship. Yeah, beautiful it was, story. Right. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful story. But you know, be interesting if those characters actually had charts, I could probably prove, okay, the late blooming of this relationship is due to this and these patterns of the mansions of the moon and and these, I'm going to call them eons that we move through and they have different periods of time. Some are shorter, some are longer. They're uncanny to prove certain things happening. Um, We can cross compare with other measurement techniques that can then point at, yep, this is definitely happening. So it's more about sort of how they are relative to each other as opposed to where they are. Relationships. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. It's all relationships. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And really, it all kind of is, isn't it? Um, it absolutely is. Whether you're talking about you to life, I, I just created a, a, a 12-week program called The Art of Authenticity. And the whole first month is relationship to yourself. And then the whole second month is your relationship to the other, right? What do you, how do you project? How do you relate there? And the third one is relationship to life, to spirit, if that's where it takes you, to the world, to life in general, you know, and, and those, in those three, that's just sort of how, you know, I was, I've, I've seen them kind of break, broken up before, but it's always about relating. That's the place where we learn. That's the place where we grow. Um, it's really, it's quite a, a fascinating realm. Sounds it's like a fantastic program. Well, it sounds fantastic to to really explore your relationship with, you know, your your birth moment as well, you know, with, yeah, with the placement of cars. I used to take people down to Peru to uh, partake in ceremonies oh, with wow. queros, which we would call an English shaman, but the their title is quero. And uh, I always, when I was guiding a group, would give everybody an astrological consultation prior. Mm. And then I would cross compare the entire group. So I already had information on their hierarchy. So if they were, if I looked at it tribally, were there any chiefs? Because I want to be the chief. Was there, you know, in that hierarchy of that group, is somebody overpowering me energetically as chief? be on the lookout? Are there children? Are there medicine people? And I kind of, uh, hunters, gatherers, you know, I'd, I'd look at them in that tribal format and it helped a lot to handle groups. Any of you who travel with groups or, well, if you remember traveling with groups, uh, you know, this happens a, a lot in groups where your group leader is fantastic, but somebody might overpower them and try and steal their thunder. And this is a a great secret weapon for groups and organizations. I've done this for uh, companies. It takes a lot of crunching. So, you know, you're cross analyzing a ton of charts and it it really can help uh, people leading companies to see, do I have a hunter who's really in the wrong position or do I have a medicine person trying to be a salesperson or do I have a child who'd be more playful and, you know, is your HR person the right structure and, and personality makeup and astrological makeup for that position. So it can help a great deal with that as well. And when you're looking for positions, you know, how many of us in school were told we should something maybe because we showed some talent 
in in something. And then we pursued that path. And years later, we we come to a day where we say, this just isn't making me happy. You know, it's not it's not lighting me up. And and then if if you come to me at that point and I look at your chart, I I likely will see, you know, what about this and this and this? And the person will say, oh, wow. You know, when I was a kid, I loved doing that. That's a big clue, too. Yes, big time. Just go back to when you were a little child and think about the things you love doing and the kinds of people you liked, you know, to be involved with and and what made you smile, what lit you up, what when you talk about it and you look in the mirror and you say a sentence about it and you smile and light up uncontrollably, there's your clue. Yes. So if you guys have heard this podcast before, she is talking about the lighting up exercise that I have walked you guys through multiple times, which is so, so, so important. This, what I refer to as this binary guidance system, where if there is a thing that lights you up and it is effortless and it is coming from the core and it surprises you even, that's always the best, then you know, right? Then that's your inner guidance system saying yes to that thing. Yes, there is something about that that I want. Uh, whereas what we tend to do is either shut it down or say, you know, put our mind over it. Oh, I, won't, I can't make money at that. Or, oh, I can't. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we end up in this kind of space where, you know, we're, we're very disconnected from what it is that we actually want. Absolutely. And be honest with yourself about what you don't like also. Yes. Yes. I just had a, be, uh, willing, be willing to let it go. Anytime you're letting go, you're making space. Yes. Especially with relationships. I, I just had a client today who's like, I don't feel like I don't quite connect with my friends. And I'm like, you know, that relationships are voluntary, right? I think people forget that. It's for, it's for <laughs> fun. It's not lighting you up and bringing you joy. It's your family life. that you, you have a little more challenge with. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different. Those podcast. are your big <laughs> lessons. <laughs> the ones you can't get out of, right? Well, the ones, the you, ones you really, I think they're the ones we bargain for to work on. Oh, yeah. And we have to sit in it, you know, and we have to negotiate it. Yeah. But yes, you're right with friendships and they, these are voluntary, everybody. Yeah, that's a big deal. All right. So I promised everybody we would talk about meditation. Uh, okay, good. Podcast, <laughs> meditating uh, <clears throat> your way to successful relationship. I'm super excited about this. What, uh, what do you have for us here? As far as? The best way, how to use meditation to attract the right relationship or to get yourself into a space where you um, can more easily attract the right relationship for you. Mm, I think the the most important thing is to learn to quiet the mind, which is what meditation does, because the mind will chatter and should you, and you don't want to should on yourself. That's not good. Uh, (laughs) And uh, you definitely don't want to should on other people either. I know. I'm putting all over everything. This is great. I think, I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier about relating to yourself because You've got to, if you're using a meditation practice, really the the goal of meditation is to quiet and empty the mind, to get rid of the mind chatter. So I like to tell my clients to journal because it, you and your journal, it's just between the two of you. And you can 
get out all the the toxins that way. It's a really great way to purge. And just choose, uh, I think a lot of people misconstrue the idea of meditation as being something you focus on. No, no, no. But if there's a question, absolutely, you can focus on it, then sit and meditate empty. And it's in those moments when you come out of the state of meditation for it truly is a state of being, which is completely quiet and without mind chatter. It's in that moment when you're coming out of it, have your journal and your pen ready because that is when you'll get that insight. So at first, just breathing, relaxing, focusing on a single idea, a single question, and let it be a lofty question. Maybe you don't know what you want. Maybe you've tried a lot of different relationships and they haven't worked out and you're not really sure what you want. Ask lofty questions like, what would it be like to be in? And then ask the question, sit down, do some breathing because breathing is the best and quickest way to get in the state of meditation. And then as you're coming out of it, Let's see what you come up with. I think that in a nutshell is the, is the way to use the power of the practice of meditation to your advantage for this. But if you're trying to, you know, if you've journaled a whole scenario, which is great, of what you want in a partner, you can't focus on all that stuff and meditate. That just, that's counterintuitive. Does that so, make sense? A hundred percent. So if somebody came to me and said they had a whole long list of things that they wanted in a partner, my my first uh, my 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 first feedback would be let go of of all of that because I find that people tend to hold that in their heads, whereas their intention will take them straight to what they actually know they want as opposed to what they think that they want. Um, so if people have those sort of long lists or um, shoulds in their mind as far as what they what they want. Um, how can they tell what they really want as opposed to what they think they want? Hmm. I think people are really good at knowing what they don't want. Am I right? Hmm. If you look at your past relationships, is it easier to look at what was going great or is it a lot easier to look at what didn't work out? Hmm. I think it's really important to be clear on your non-negotiable list. As far as writing that list, I'm all for it. Go for it. Write it out. Fantasize. Renegotiate it. Write it again. Mm. Read it once in a while, but put it away. Don't focus on that every day. You will drive yourself crazy. Yeah, That's overload. That's too much information. And then look around at your friendships, your familial relationships, your business relationships, and really start to look at your what I really want through those. Because if you've got any type of relationship that's long lasting, then you've got to dig in and identify what's really working there for you. What, as Dominique said, what's lighting you up in -hmm. those relationships. And then again, meditation is not going to, you're not going to force create it. Mm -hmm. That's a way to empty quiet the mind. And then gain some insight. You could also work on the same with your dream state because dreaming, deep, deep dreaming, uh, or actually uh, deep sleep 
is going to be the place where you're resetting and you're rejuvenating and your whole body is getting a chance to relax and rebuild and replenish for the next day. Uh, you can have some dream intentions, write them down, uh, but don't overload it again, just one at a time. Mm. Maybe focus on one thing for three days and then let that go. And then another thing. I, I think it's the overload where people really get themselves hung up. And so when you say focus on one thing for three days, can you give us an example of what kind of a thing that might be? Well, can you give me an example of something off a list that one of your clients has said they know that they, they have to have this. This is a must have oh. in a relationship. Oh, I hear it all. I hear it all. Uh, they have to be tall. They have to be blonde. They have to be beautiful. They have to be uh, patient, kind. Okay, we, we could put, we could tall, blonde and beautiful could all be in one category. We could say physical. So we could break it down into categories. You can get an image. You can use your own creative visualization to do this uh, and just focus on that on the physical attributes and then kindness, uh, emotional attributes. So you can go by category, but I think if you're trying to focus on all of that at once, you'll overload. And the, the brain is just a computer downloading information. So if we're typing, 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 or actually a, a friend of mine who uh, I was talking to earlier was telling me that when he was younger and he was in school, he went into the computer lab and he highlighted all of the apps. Well, they weren't apps back then, but all the program icons on the uh, screen and, and would hit uh, enter and the computers would get completely jammed up because they couldn't load all those programs at once. And this was his, you know, little prank. He did. <laughs> well, guess what you're doing when you're trying to load all that data of I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. You're, you're completely jamming the system. Mm. So we've got to just take it to one sensation, one category, uh, do a little bit at a time and uh, but keep bringing it back to you because look, Whenever we're wanting something, let's say there's a table and we want something to come to the table, we've got to look at what we're bringing to the table. Mm. You know? We've got to ask, what can I do for you? What can I provide for you? And we have to also realize whatever we're doing at all levels, body, mind, and spirit, we're projecting and anybody coming into our life at that moment is mirroring it right back to us. Mm. So we've got to be honest when there's times where maybe it's not a good time to be trying to attract things. Maybe it's time out quiet time for a bit. Maybe it's be with myself for a bit. Meditate on that. I personally would recommend just meditating on how I can project a better version of myself to attract uh, better opportunities. That's what I would. But again, meditating is not focusing on something and forcing the mind to to look at it and magically it's going to manifest. You can insert some of this information and then you've got to empty. But it's in those moments when you come out of that deep trance state, because it is a deep trance state of being, that's when you're going to get, whoa, those ahas, those those moments. 
find me a real meditator who tells you, while I was in deep trance, I got this information. You don't even know what's going on there. You don't know that you are. You, the symptoms of meditation, you don't know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You don't know where you are. You don't know your name. And you don't know that you are. So how could you possibly focus the mind on something? You're, you're resting the mind. You're giving the mind a, a time to reset. The mind is not in your head. Okay, I, uh, forgive me, Western psychology people, but the, the mind is actually in your heart. It's in, in the ancient writings, it says the mind is in the cave of the heart. But then isn't there consciousness that is also in all the organs? I mean, how do they function? We're not saying, okay, heartbeat every minute, you know, lungs take a breath. There, there's consciousness. I think we're, we're kind of confusing consciousness and mind. And mind is chattering and a place where we can download information from, but it's the heart. So I'd say get into your heart. If you're going to focus on something, focus on your heart or focus on your third eye because one or the other is going to attract you. Stick with that location. Don't jump back and forth. If your intuition says third eye, uh, it doesn't mean you don't have a heart. It doesn't mean you're not, it, it doesn't mean you can't love or, or that you're not loving, but you've got to go with where are you attracted first and, and then stay there, focus there. You can, you can creatively visualize, but that's not meditation. Guided, look, I have a guided meditation podcast, Meditate with Ambika. It's free. You can listen to all sorts of guided meditations, but that's not meditating. Mm. That's creative visualization. I named it Meditate, but hey, the truth is it could trigger you. You know those times when you listen to guided meditations and you drift off? You might have fallen asleep. That's because you were tired and you needed to sleep. That's okay. That's what that's good for. But have there been times where you're aware of the words going on, but you, and you're aware of your body, but you're feeling completely relaxed? Then it tripped you into the state of meditation. I think the big misconception is meditation is nothingness. Mm. You know, or or that we don't believe it is, that we think we can meditate on something. And usually when I talk about this with beginning students, uh, they come back to me and say, wow, uh, now I understand why I never got it or I never liked it because I was always trying to force my attention on something. This is a time to relax the attention. Do you have, uh, just in the last few minutes here, do you have a beginner exercise that people can use um, to, to start meditating? <clears throat> sure. We can do it in three breaths. You want to? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. I invite everybody to close your eyes and take a moment to check to see if your body is comfortable. And if not, shift around right now. With your eyes closed, just focus a little bit of attention on the air coming in and out through your nose. So I invite you to breathe in and out through your nose if you can. And just notice the sensation at first that the air is cooler on the way in as you inhale and that the air somehow magically disappears on the way out as you exhale. 
Now let's take one more breath like that and exhale really deeply and fully, even drawing your belly in towards your spine. Now take a very deep, long breath in and pause. And notice at that pause, the mind quiets. And then exhale even slower than that inhalation. Drawing the tummy in and pausing again. Now we'll take one more deep breath like this. Very long inhalation. And pause. And at this place, you could easily stay here. As you exhale slowly, slowly, watching that air leave you like a lazy river. Pausing at the bottom of the breath, drawing the tummy in. And one more very deep, long breath in. Focus on either the heart or the third eye in between the eyebrows. Exhale slowly. Drawing the tummy in. Pausing. And then relaxing. Keep the eyes closed right now. And let the breath return to a natural place. And just notice how quiet the mind is. Notice how relaxed you feel, how you're different than when we began. And notice how peaceful the heart is. When you're ready, you can open your eyes again. Blinking slowly to let the light and shapes around you in. You see, it only takes three breaths to relax and center Beautiful. I was not ready to open my eyes, but I have to run the interview. So I, had, <laughs> I wanted to stay right where I was. That is really wonderful. That really does bring you to a very... So let me deconstruct that a little bit. The secret is in the pauses. Those are called kumbhaka. And it's when we pause or have cessation of breath, the mind can't shatter. Mm. Now, think about it. Have you ever seen a little kid hold their breath when they were angry? Mm. I've heard of it. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a natural yogi <laughs> right there, mm. knowing that uh, I can control the mind if I, if I pause the breath. Mm. So breath is really the magical secret key to get you to drop into the state of meditation. And I think the fastest way, sound is actually using sound in, in certain ways. Your own primordial sound definitely will launch you there. Mm. The repetition of mantra is a replacement to the mind chatter. The mind, I have a, I have a, uh, a recent article I wrote on my blog about taming the mind and explaining the mind waves, uh, which are called vritti. And these, uh, these happen to everybody, anybody, 
even the great meditators. Mm. But the, the thing is that they have tools and they have practice so that they can get back in. So it's a, it's like waves on an ocean. You know, you, you drift into the state. You might notice you're coming out. You use one of your tools, maybe a breath, maybe a pause, maybe a sound, and you drift back in. Can you drop in for a long time? Yes. And when somebody guides you skillfully, they can take you there. It's almost as if energetically they're reaching out and pulling you into the state of meditation. Hmm, I love that. So to meditate with a meditator definitely will get you there faster. Oh, stunning. I love it. Thank you so much, Ambika. That was super cool. Uh, where can people find you? What can? Who's your ideal client? Who would you like to reach out to you? And where can they find you? Um, I love to work with people as a guide and a coach with using my tools of meditation and astrology, whichever one is appropriate or a combination, so that I can help you get more happy with your relationship with yourself and also help you attract clients uh, and uh, relationships of all sorts. And with astrology, I, I also really love working with you with your business, whether you're in one and you want some guidance about things that could help with branding, ideas, language, colors. These all show up in an astrological chart. And if you'd like to practice meditation or work specifically with some of the topics that I've mentioned, like mantra uh, or breathing, I'm very passionate about teaching this. You can find me at ambukascoaching.com and a lot of services there. And Ambika Devi is spelled A-M-B-I-K-A-D-E-V-I. So you've got the spelling of Ambika, A-M-B-I-K-A. Meditate with Ambika is a podcast you can find on bunches of platforms. You can also uh, find my CV site at myname.com. So ambikadevi.com. Beautiful. Beautiful, wonderful. Well, this it, clearly, I can I can feel your gift come out when you were talking about the meditation. Um, and I really recommend beginning meditators. I think this is probably more advanced as well. We only sort of delved into just that one realm here. Um, thank you so much uh, for sharing your your gifts with us and for That's joining. It's my you. pleasure. There's also a bunch of videos on my YouTube, and it's youtube.com slash my name, Ambika Devi. So you can find a lot of learning tools and uh, different different teachings there as well. And I'd love to work with all of you. So thank you. Thank you, Domini. It's been so much fun. We Good. went on quite an interesting path. Yeah, the today. flow went wherever it went and we covered all everything from the stars to the inner world, which is, you know, all the things there are to talk about. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Amika. Uh, for oh, it's been me. my pleasure. Thank Take you, care. everybody. Take care, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. That was brilliant. Uh, I'm still processing everything that we just talked about. Um, please download and subscribe to this episode. And more than that, if you know somebody who can benefit from this type of work, uh, who's struggling to achieve something, anything, and just can't seem to do it, there is self-sabotage there. That is the area of specialty of this particular podcast. We approach it from all sorts of different angles. Um, how to get unblocked, how to get unstuck, how to see where you're holding yourself back and what to do about it. Uh, so download and subscribe. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Domini Drew. Uh, find Ambika on YouTube and join us for our next episode. Thanks so much, guys.
Take care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.